We need to be able to walk into these white places with our unapologetic black faces and move around freely. Fear has no place connected to the change. Yeah. So you know what it is. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. We are back at it again on Heard Your Radio, the podcast. Before we jump into this episode, I just want to take a moment to shed light on how many black male influencers we have lost in the past few months in Nipsey Hussle a little over a year ago. Their transition has shaken the world and impacted our view on living a life worth someone else remembering. Now more than ever, we should be living our lives in our purpose and with every day increasing positive change because the world could be watching and we could actually have no clue who we have left a lasting imprint on. So just make sure when you live in, you're living young, wild, free, but most importantly, you're living positivity. So moving on, on last week's episode, we discussed the importance of identifying where home is for us. Is it a person, place, or an experience that keeps us going to particular places from our child and adolescent years? Once we filter through all that on where we go home to, where home is for us, we have to confront the very thing that goes hand in hand, and that is who was in our home or not in our home, as well as what was shown in the home consciously and unconsciously. I will, for many of these episodes, bring up our conscious behaviors as well as our unconscious behaviors because we all have them. No one may have taught you directly to rob a bank or steal or lie, but you learn from watching, hearing, and also being exposed in different areas of your life. I know when I ask who was in your house, many of you will directly connect that to the individuals whose presence was in the home, but attached to those individuals can be other words used to describe them. I don't know if anybody has ever did this to you, but if you've ever done a particular mannerism or said something a particular way, they'll say, oh, you got that from your mama or you got that from your daddy and ugh, that's your auntie. But are those the people that you saw in your house? If you are anything like me, a traditional household was not what you experienced every day of every year of your life. Let's be real. I mean, for me, each pivotal moment in my life, I was surrounded by different adults who influenced me consciously and unconsciously in very different ways from handling life in general, problems, and people I encountered. What do you do when your lost mother, yes, I describe my mother as lost, shows you to live as if the world owes you something but expect nothing from it? Your opportunistic aunt instills manipulation and abandonment in you. And your guarded dad, without realizing it, places identity crisis and the feelings of not being valued all before you are 12 years old. And please let us not forget our loving and light-filled grandparents who tried to instill a relationship with God and their unwavering love for us. And they truly just, you know, wanted to fill you up with love, joy, happiness. And that really just depends on the grandparent. 
Can I be real or are we still pretending like it's not grandparents out there who barely like their children and dang sure don't care for their grandchildren? They flat out just don't like you. They say hurtful things towards you. But hey, if that's not your reality, cool. But if it is, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Also, just because certain people did not live where we slept does not mean we didn't learn or take with us big lessons from them and choose to hold on to values and characteristics we should have never even been exposed to. Research over the past several decades have shown that family structure is a strong predictor of child outcomes. Specifically, growing up with only one parent, your grandparents, same-sex parents, or anyone not your biological parent can be associated with a number of negative outcomes. Paint a picture in your mind about how your day-to-day household looked when you were younger. Were you the only child, isolated, didn't have a lot of friends, or did you hang around your cousins because that was the closest thing you had to a sibling? Did you have brothers and sisters who were laughter and lessons in your life or distracted and disconnected from your life? Were you the oldest of your parents' kids like I was? And if so, did those responsibilities slowly turn you into the parent while constantly being reminded you were a child? Were you raised in a space that you and your cousins were more like siblings because your grandmother or grandparents had custody of you? Did you have one of those moms that cooked every night, woke you up every morning for school, and assured she was present physically and emotionally? You know, they call that like, a present mom, or a mom who had to work constantly to assure you had everything you needed and wanted. So while her physical presence may have lacked, her love for you was enough for you to learn to be responsible early. You know, one of those driven but tired mothers. Or what about an absent mom who did not quite know how to be a full-time parent and loved the things that kept her away from you more than she loved you? You know, one of those no responsibilities was better than parenting kind of mother. As much as we glorify mothers, not all moms know how to jump on the parenting train and ride out. And if you know, then you know what I'm talking about. And let's start talking about our fathers. Was your dad in the house at all? Was he a loving and compassionate person who worked and was home for dinner every night, showed you how to love a woman or how you should be treated as a young woman as you got older? You know, one of those protectors through love kind of dads or what about an around the way kind of dad who showed up when he could gave money and good times but you saw his lack of love respect or understanding from your mom was affecting how he treated you on a daily the responsible but unattached father or were you like me and had a stepdad who loved you like his own but sometimes you didn't feel the love was as authentic or as pure as the love that he had for his own children or your siblings. You know, the guarded and distracted kind of dad. Was your dad even around or was he one of those, I know you belong to me, but you your mother's child, you your daddy's son, but you gonna be with your mama kind of dad, the irresponsible and filled with excuses kind of father. Let's be clear, this is not everybody's narrative, but this is what I saw when I was growing up. And we cannot forget those who were in the home where their grandparents were their sole providers, the shielding you from your parents kind of grandparents. They did their best to give you love and support knowing your parents were out in the world and you had so many questions about them and their choices. Your grandparents did the best that they could to assure you had some kind of spiritual connection 
for lack of better terms, they weren't sure your soul wasn't going to hell while you was living in their house. You was going to know God. <laughs> you know, the get up time for Bible school, Sunday school, after school, church school, uh, traditional uh, summer bu- uh, Bible school, school, school. And if you have them kind of grandparents, do you know exactly what I'm talking about? And I mean, I'm just asking who was in your house or not being candid and open with y'all. Like I told you guys that I would be. I can remember a time where living in a house that was supposed to be home felt like hell. And I do mean hell, not because of where I was. Because like I told y'all in last episode, I was used to being the new kid, the kid that didn't fit in. And I moved around so much that it didn't affect me as much as far as like where I was. But it definitely affected me with who I was in the house with and how they made me feel. Family members mistreated me, though we were kids. The lasting effects is what I took with me as an adult. A part of my life was in a home with two adult figures who I can now kind of connect with like opportunistic and maybe emotionally unavailable. Five children and growing, then add me and two additional stepchildren that would visit from time to time. To say the least, it was a full house. But my older cousin was cruel in many ways, and I do believe that the lack of light shed on her behavior or the purposeful choices to ignore it was very neglectful to my emotional state. I mean, here I am living in a house with my aunt and my uncle and my cousins, and I'm excited, but I'm not excited. No lie. I can literally remember a time when I was maybe 11 and I had moved in with my aunt and my uncle, and it was right around Christmas. And my aunt and my uncle went out, they bought me everything they bought their kids, which I was super appreciative for. But when school started back in January, I can laugh about it now, but Lord knows. When school started back in January, I was at this new middle school. I was in the sixth grade and I can like visibly remember my cousin and her friends coming up to me and her allowing her friends to say very explicit and derogatory things to me that they would only have known if <laughs> she told them. And I remember my cousin and I getting into an actual physical altercation at school. Cannot make this up, y'all. My first day of middle school at this new school. And I remember the principal calling my aunt. My aunt rushed down there and she's like, What happened? What happened? And the principal was like, you know, your daughter and your niece got into a fight. (laughs) And my aunt was like, oh, okay. And he was like, no, ma'am, I don't think you understand. They fought one another. Like they, they were fighting each other. And boy, when I tell y'all, it was like cringy just to even like fight my cousin. And I mean, we was throwing blows like we never saw each other before. And I remember going home or to her house where we shared space and it was just like darkness you see having experienced firsthand that though the adults during the time in my life may have you know welcomed me with open arms some kids didn't want to share any more of the attention than they already had to so my cousin acting out and mistreating me was supposed to make me tough And really, y'all, according to my aunt, hell, my cousin wanted to fight. We should fight because 
I shouldn't let anybody, not even family, punk me out. <laughs> Bruh, I can laugh about it now, but back then, darkness had never been so dark. Because here I am in a home with family, and I literally feel like the outcast. And what was in my home at that time, yes, it was uncle cousins, but it was darkness. It was fear. It was displacement. It was manipulation. And y'all, it was just a point in my life that I was just like, wow, all of this is in my home with and on these people. I mean, I learned early that blood does not always mean family. Just because we shared space and time didn't mean the rules or even life would always look the same for me compared to other people in my house. In addition to that, y'all, I learned that not everyone pours into me for the same reasons. So love, light, laughter, uplift, and so much more wasn't always displayed by those in the homes that I was in. Sometimes hate, comparison, down talk, manipulation, and deceit lived in the people that poured into me. And it sounds crazy when we talk about who was in our home, but what was on those people as well? You know, when we call people bitter and then we learn to be bitter, right? That's what I'm talking about. Living in spaces where I wasn't calling the adults mom and dad turned me into the outcast ultimately. However, comma, in the times where I was in a two-parent household with my mom and dad, who I described earlier as lost and guarded, I was exposed to love and, you know, laughter, but I was also exposed to what transactional love was. You see, they say a two-parent household is supposed to increase positive outcomes and enforce specific values and morals that make us positive individuals to be out there in society. And, uh, okay, I mean, it sounds good. I still saw things that my parents never intended for me to see and definitely heard things I should have never heard. Yes, I lived with my mom and my dad at one point, but also during that time, I lived with some confused individuals, adultery, sexual exploration of same-sex partners. That was my mom. Don't ask. Jennifer's Jennifer. (laughs) And I mean, don't get me wrong. My parents are not horrible people whatsoever. And I do believe that They did the best that they could considering their circumstances. And I don't make excuses for my parents like I used to when I was younger. But they were young, trying to figure it out with three kids and still discovering who they were. Just because two people are married and have children and want to give their children that white picket fence identity and raise your children under one roof and all that great stuff doesn't mean that two people are meant to be together, nor should they stay together. Those miserable, but anything for my kids kind of parents. Though for me, I can still see my mom and dad dancing around after they got my bike together as I walked down the stairs on Christmas Day, flipping off my bike face forward. (laughs) 
and my dad holding me so tight. I just knew the world could never hurt me or even my mom making midnight snacks and laying with me and my siblings as we fell asleep watching TV or cartoons. These are all happy moments in the house that I shared with my parents. But it just didn't sustain the house and it didn't maintain it. And like, to be honest, I didn't have y'all paint a picture. You know, y'all probably didn't thought about your household, who was there, who came in and out, your cousin that used to sleep on the couch and all these good things. But those things are important. The details matter. They always matter. We saw everything, even when we were pretending not to. The smallest interaction with the individuals who groomed us are our core. Whether we choose to admit it or not, who was in our house or not in our house played a part in why we wanted to, or even more importantly, why we didn't want to be at home. Identifying who was around sheds light on who we wanted to become, who we looked up to, and even why we may have looked up to them or who we wanted nothing to do with. And coincidentally, we still ended up with some of those people's qualities and characteristics. We live in a time where reflection is linked directly to the progression and how we continue to grow as adults. Because certain people made sacrifices for us and chose to stay in raises even when others couldn't or chose not to, we bear this weight of repayment and obligation at times. And for many of us, that's the type of learning and conditioning that is admirable, so they say. But for some of us, we are just now seeing that people don't always do things from the purest parts of their heart. And it came with a payment we were too young to understand or know it was even happening. You know, people tell you that you should be happy that this person wasn't in the house or wasn't in the home or, you know, you were shielded or you were guarded from those things or those people. But did it really save you? Did it really help you? Could you have benefited from your own experience with particular individuals that you felt like should have been in your home and weren't there? Being able to identify the presence of or lack thereof an individual can shine light on our behaviors and mannerisms that we walk around with every day. Some being external, but many internal. Who was in our home illustrates exactly who we are now or who we were before we decided to make some necessary changes, myself included. In a perfect world, how we were raised and who played a hand in that will fit in an image that describes how we are actively adulting today. And for some of us, it is. But for many of us, our outcomes are still being sculpted. So I ask you again, who was in your house? And can you call them by name and describe them without fear? Whoa. Yeah. 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 And that was the end of episode two, family structure. Who was in your house? And now we are on to our shout out portion of the podcast. And today I am super, super excited to shout out Black Lana. 
Black Lana is the number one source for Black-owned businesses in the ATL, as well as having their very own apparel. If you know, then you know. By utilizing Black Lana's directory, you can find Black-owned apparel, brands, products, health and wealth, barbers, hairstylists, home and business services, you Name it, they have literally put in the work to find it, to upload it, and literally all you have to do is research it at the tip of your fingers. If you are interested in utilizing Black Lana as a resource for looking for Black-owned businesses and entrepreneurs, please go to www.blacklanallc.com to get connected to their catalog, and it is constantly growing. You can find them on IG and Facebook at Black Lana LLC. That's B-L-A-C-K-L-A-N-T-A-L-L-C. And you know what it is, people. It's been real. It's been great. Did you hear me? <laughs> or at least what I was trying to say. It's your girl, She Keep Faith. On Heard You Radio, the podcast.